Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome to a very special live episode of Great Moments in Weed History. We had a really good time performing for all of our heads in Portland, Oregon. Isn't that right, Bean? I believe you mean Potland, Oregon, but yes. Potland. <laughs> uh, is there a weed pun to jam into Oregon somehow? <laughs> Uh, ounce again? Uh, no, but they're more like pound again up there. Stretch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were at the Helium Comedy Club, real deal, top flight comedy club, and we had a super fun and engaged and weed loving audience come out to see great moments in weed history. And uh, we also got to sesh with our homies out there, everybody from the audience, or a lot of people from the audience came outside the venue with us and blazed out in a giant circle on the street. Real old school, a real pleasure to hang with everyone. So if you were one of the people at the show, thank you so much. And if not, and you're bummed that you missed out on the fun, no worries. We had the foresight to record the things that we said at said comedy club. And we're bringing them to you as an episode today. It's a really, really fun one. We'll talk a little bit more about the subject of this live episode as we get ready to roll into it. But just wanted to uh, welcome you back briefly from uh, the hiatus that you've been on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. I have been very busy with the project. Uh, that I've signed away my rights to be able to talk about. So I, I hope it sees the light of day uh, so that everybody can revel in its glory. But it's taken me away from the podcast for a little bit. I'm so glad to be back on right now recording this intro, reminiscing about this epic live show that we just had. Can't wait until I've got my schedule clear enough to, to be doing this stuff all the damn time. But in the meantime... I just want to give a big shout out to the listeners that I've missed most. And of course, it's the listeners that support us on Patreon. We love you guys so much. Thank you for supporting the show, allowing us to create this independent podcast the way that we want to do it. If you don't yet support us on Patreon, please check us out at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You'll see all the fun bonuses that you'll get for supporting us for just a couple bing bongs a month. Yeah, one bing bong even. One bing bong is good too. You can find out more about how to support us by going to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. Link up to the Patreon. You could put five on it for a little more. You can get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot Properly, hand-delivered by the post office, not by me, to your door. And you will, of course, get the video version of this podcast. You see us waving at you right now for the duration of the hiatus, which is going to go on for a little bit. We're going to actually go down to once every other weed on Weedness Day still for the main podcast. And I'm going to do a secret sesh video just for our Patreon subscribers. Could be answering listener questions. It could be an excerpt from a new book that I'm working on. It could be previews of upcoming episodes coming down the pipeline. All kinds of special treats, 
just for our Patreon subscribers. So we are still a Weedly podcast every Weedness day. If you give us as little as $1 on Patreon, otherwise... We're going to be temporarily giving you one new Great Moments in Weed History episode every other week for a little while. Thanks to everybody who's had kind words about some of the old stuff I dug out of my personal archives, like the Damian Marley episode. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, got a few more surprises like that. And of course, this dynamic duo ain't going anywhere. So we will be back in full force pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. And in the meantime, I happen to know that Bean has a treasure trove of cannabis interviews from his days as an intrepid weed journalist on the weed beat, as it were. As a result, he has managed to have some pretty fucking epic conversations with important figures of recent cannabis history. And I'm just so stoked that these interviews are finding their way into great moments in weed history because they absolutely live up to the title of this show right here. So look out for those. Yeah, those of you who enjoy our episode about Jesus using cannabis for healing miracles, well, I found the original interview that that episode was based on. So going to be some big news in the world of weed, big news in the world of Christianity. Yeah, Yeah, Christ (laughs) hasn't given an interview in... (laughs) 2,000 years. It had been a long time. And, and you know, he was he was like Aphex Twin. Scarcely gave an interview. Very cryptic stuff. You know, said a bunch of weird things, uh, contradictory uh, phrases and whatnot, and then disappears into the ether for a 1,000 years. That's uh, th- That one's coming out pretty soon. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, that'll be a big one. And uh, an equally esteemed figure this week from our live episode. This is somebody who's had a massive impact on the visual side of cannabis culture. And if you are one of our patrons, you might have noticed that Bean and I are both holding a very similar piece of glass. Bob Snodgrass, that's right, the progenitor of the modern pipe. And we're so proud to tell his story and his impact on cannabis culture in this episode right here. They call him the godfather of glass, and you are about to hear why that name is definitely, definitely well-deserved, a singular figure in the world of functional art glass, and a true kind-hearted hippie. If you don't happen to have a, a snotty of your own right this second, that's okay. You can hit pause. You can go to the Snodgrass family website. You can order one. It will be shipped to you. You will get it in the mail, and you can pack it, and you can smoke it. That's going to honestly take a long time. I'd suggest just using that time to roll a joint or split a blunt or pack whatever heady glass you happen to have on hand, or you could endabulate a dab, but wherever, whenever, however, why ever you are fully high up and ready to get high on history with us, I can guarantee you that we will be ready. I can tell those are getting longer in my absence. <laughs> when <laughs> you're ready. <laughs> Nothing to bounce off of. <laughs> I don't know if you said the last episode was 16 hours. <laughs> 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 we'll be ready <laughs> for another.
great moment in weed history. Portland, please welcome to the stage the host of Great Moments in Weed History, Abdullah and Bean. What's up, Portland? How you guys doing tonight? We are going to get into our story. And so we are recording this for a live episode, so we'll be going through the shtick that, you know, two of you know that we do. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we're going to call the live recording Great Moments in Weed History live at Madison Square Garden, so big, big, big reactions. Seriously. You're here. Yeah. 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 Fucking Portland. Fuck yeah. We don't need MSG. We've got <laughs> Helium Portland, everybody. We've got you guys. And you know, it's not bad for you, like they say, MSG. <laughs> yeah, that's, I know. That Side shit tangent. is racist. Side tangent. <laughs> All right, you guys feeling good? You ready for this shit? All right. So let's take it from the top. Hey, how's it going, folks? I'm Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome to another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. On this podcast, my partner Bean and I, who are both cannabis journalists and media makers, go through some of the more interesting points in the very, very, very long history of human beings and cannabis. Isn't that right, Bean? That is precisely what we do, as several people here know. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or perhaps no one. Up to and including ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited for the story we've got going on today. I I, I know a little bit about it, but I know that you're going to expound on this crucial piece of American cannabis history, and it's going to blow all our fucking minds. So why don't you give us a little preview? He set the bar a little high, but (laughs) we'll blow 83% of your minds. All right, perfect. I want to walk out of here believing in God, (laughs) please. (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna tell you the story of an oregonian homegrown weed hero somebody who still lives in your beautiful state and who changed the face of cannabis and is just a beautiful representation of this plant in human form but i'm not going to tell you who that is right now yeah no (laughs) we're gonna have to wait but it's somebody who Basically changed the way that you have gotten high in some way, shape, or form. But all right, uh, let's get right into it. I'm pretty high from uh, having stood outside the venue and gotten, uh, you know, uh, a joint to the face just before the episode. I'm guessing you all did as well. Bean, how about yourself? I was right next to you. Okay, right. Perfect. (laughs) To your left, which is a great place to be in a sesh. That's the one direction I never look when I'm smoking with someone. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a little after sesh, and we have our own pre-rolls. Guys, we're coming out with Great Moments pre-rolls. Pre-rolls, and these will be uh, shared and shared alike after, but for now... It's history time. We are going to tell a story, like I said, about a living legend, living, but we are going to start a long time ago because the tradition of making ceremonial smoking devices goes back a long way. Archaeologists in southern Russia recently discovered 
a set of solid gold bongs that are 2,400 years old. They had traces of THC on them. Who do you think they belong to who was, who was the crew way back 2,400 years ago? Yeah, so you know what? Yeah, Jesus. There's Somebody a said Jesus. Who knows our episode? <laughs> Somebody, you know, bong is for Jesus, man. Good fucking memory from a great moments of weed history crowd, honestly. And the, and the, yeah. and the episode about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. So you know what? I, I feel like there was a number of different groups smoking mm-hmm. cannabis back in the day. Of course, the Egyptians have been known to smoke hash for a long time. My guess when it comes to old cannabis smokers is the Scythians, right? The yes. nomadic peoples of Central Asia. Do we have any Scythians in the house tonight? <laughs> okay, good. Then if we get anything a little wrong, like, you know, yeah. 2,400 years ago is approximate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were history's greatest stoners and actually the ancient Greek scholar Herodotus out there, also not here, great, uh, <laughs> referred to as the father of history. That's problematic, but just, you know, a biggie in the world of history. History clearly does not need a father. You know what I'm saying? I think that's where shit might have gone wrong. <laughs> Neither did I. Well, that's another podcast for another time. Uh, now let's get into that. <laughs> he is also the first European to write about cannabis. He's writing about the Scythians, and he is describing how they would make an ancient hot box. So this is going back as far in the smoking method way. And he said, they made a booth by fixing the ground with three sticks inclined towards one another and stretching them around wooden Yeah, that's right. They made a weed TV. (laughs) Yep. And then they basically throw weed on the fire. They're in this tent. They get blazed. And then it ends with immediately it smokes and gives out such a vapor as no Grecian vapor bath can exceed. The skiffs delighted shout for joy. The funny thing to me is this was in ancient Greek, so the guy who translated it could have been like, just done it in normal fucking English, and of course he didn't. <laughs> also, like, don't let them tell you we've made progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was going on a long time ago, and so this account is actually really interesting. They're always unearthing uh, these, you know, buried cave sites that have cannabis residue on the walls because this was like part of their, uh, you know, traditional burial mm. ceremony. I think Herodotus was like, oh, they're throwing what I think are hash seeds or like cannabis seeds onto the flames, right? Which he's obviously such a fucking narc. He has no idea that you don't want to smoke seeds. You know what I'm saying? It's the worst fucking thing, let alone hot box seeds. Those were most likely little balls of finger hash made from Himalayan wild cannabis. Available at pharma. No. (laughs) Unfortunately not. Progress has not been made. But, of course, building and constructing an ancient hot box out of felt and shit like that is not really conducive to the daily sesh. So that's why they made these solid gold bongs, proving that B.C. does not stand for before cannabis. Yeah, that's right. In fact, it's really after B.C. that the (laughs) cannabis game starts to suffer. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Did somebody want wah that pun because you really have not heard this show? <laughs> or you would yeah. be out enjoying some rock climbing or <laughs> Dude, seriously, the puns are going to come harder and faster. The freak frequency and severity yeah. is only going to increase. Yeah. I so, just planted yeah. I just planted my back foot. So <laughs> get ready for them. 
And the art of glass blowing actually also dates back into antiquity, including the documented use of blow tubes and colored glass rods during the Roman Empire. Yeah, that's right. When we're talking about smoking pipes, we also think of like the Middle East and the hookah, right? Here's this like kind of ancient thing. You know, it's like an ancient structure that's been used forever. And this is a really convenient way to smoke. People did not smoke rolled up things until relatively recently, right? Because it's like, it's actually not the most convenient way to do it when you think about it, to have a vessel, especially one in which you can filter your smoke through water. That's clearly going to be the best way. And people have known about that for a long time. This is an ancient technology. Yeah. So this basically shows that the Holy Roman Empire was kind of the heady Roman Empire because they definitely got high. Say it, womp womp, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah who Where was you it? at? Come on. You, you took my panomphidence away. <laughs> and that's, that's hard up Yeah, here. he's impotent now. <laughs> no. This has gone off the rails, guys. As it should. Welcome to Off the Rails, the history of cocaine. <laughs> the only three and a half hour long podcast when you listen to it on triple time. <laughs> Not the worst fucking idea. <laughs> anybody out here in the glass scene? Anybody a glass blower, glass artist, glass enthusiast? Collector. All right. Yeah, right so on. just a pothead. We're all glass collectors, <laughs> sir. I in some way or another. <laughs> I also collect glass pieces, but just one at a time. <laughs> And also, I wonder if anyone has uh, gotten any clues into who we might be talking about. Uh, but anyway. Whoa, 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 wait, we got a guesser? Hmm. You're on the wrong track, but I do <laughs> like the confidence. And you're wearing a business jacket? Those are not called business jackets. That's what I call them because I don't fucking know what those are called. But you're the most professionally dressed person here, and I commend you for it, sir. Give it up for this guy. This fucking guy. You're going to offer to buy the podcast at the end of this, right? <laughs> this is like a Wayne's World kind of situation. <laughs> also, welcome to The Wrong Track, a podcast <laughs> about losing people and not Or them. about heroin use? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Let's Portland. Let's all shake, that. Like Let's a all shake that off. <laughs> Too soon. Who and what and where and why and how and what's that other one that we are talking about today is a gentleman known as the godfather of glass. Our story begins in 1971 when a young hippie named Bob Snodgrass. Bob Snodgrass, Yay! people! <laughs> he's here. Just cheer for him. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not here. Thank you, Madison Square Garden. Uh He's this young hippie, and he's got a side hustle where he's making candles and selling them to shops. This is a very archetypical 1970s yeah. figure. He invented the inside-out candle, actually. <laughs> Come on. Nobody. <laughs> It'll make sense in like 10, 15 minutes, okay? <laughs> uh, but he is walking down the street. As, as in the parlance of the time, <laughs> you know, which in the 1970s is kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> You're a hippie yeah. from, I, I, you know, what I remember from being a baby. That's all. <laughs> uh, he looks in the window and a light shines and he sees the first glass pipe he's ever seen. 
And what does this thing look like? Like, what what do glass pipes look like at this time? Um, it's probably more modern than the Scythians, but less <laughs> made out of solid gold. I don't know. Right, right. Not exactly a mothership piece, but you know, yeah, decent. no, very simple pipe. Gotcha. This is like the prehistory of. Pipes. And it's like clear glass, just yeah. a simple spoon or something. It's a simple spoon trying to make a way in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a bud. He meets this guy, he goes into the shop, and he's like, holy shit, I've never seen a glass pipe before. Happens to meet the guy who is in the middle of glass blowing a pipe. They become friends. Afterwards, he's like, hey, you want to smoke some weed, man? As one says in the 70s, right? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, do the... Yeah, like, hey, yeah give me some skin, yeah, brother. Yeah, this kind of thing. Exactly. And, so on. and we're both wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> First, they're like, oh, you sell your candles to the hippie shops, and I sell my pipes to the hippie shops. Let's, and where are you? Joint forces. <laughs> <laughs> And we can help each other out. We'll split the legwork. But guess guess which one sells better? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, candles are a booming industry in the 1970s. <laughs> Incense peppermint. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? People love everyone. You know how the polyester made everybody smell like shit in the 70s? <laughs> candles. Scented fucking candles. <laughs> so eventually he teaches Bob Snodgrass. He's like, Forgive my French. Fuck these candles. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to teach you how to, uh, how to make pipes. They go into business together. And this goes on until basically he goes out on his own and he starts going to these like county fairs and, and uh, little events and setting up his table. And he said, as long as I put like some dragons and some like little tchotchkes out, I could put a couple of pipes out and the people who wanted pipes would always see them and the people who didn't want pipes wouldn't notice them. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, pipes are illegal. Weed is as illegal as it's ever been in the United States and so are pipes. And it's a weird thing for us to think about now that glass work, right? Shit that you see in galleries nowadays, you know what I mean? Stuff that goes for 10, 15, 20, 100,000 dollars was completely fucking illegal at this time. So you had to be conscious of who was seeing you do what you were doing. Exactly what Bob yeah. Snodgrass was dealing with. Yeah, I don't want to we have some younger people here. Weed used to be illegal. I guess we should have mentioned that yeah. <laughs> at the top. Not not all the way to the Scythians, <laughs> but definitely in the 70s. Yeah, almost to the Scythians, yeah, yeah pretty much. So through years of determination and uh, experimentation, Snotty, as he's belovedly known, would go on to invent a series of groundbreaking techniques that set his work apart from all that preceded it, most notably fuming which involves vaporizing silver, gold, or platinum in front of a flame to release fumes that then bind to the surface of the glass. That's a long sentence. Yeah, it's a long-ass <laughs> sentence. Probably is quicker to just fucking do it than it is to describe it. <laughs> but yeah, so if you ever see sparkly shit in your pipe, it's because this fucking guy did it. You know what I'm saying? Literally, pipes did not have sparkles in them until Snodgrass showed up. So, you know, respect. All right, all right. Now I'm <laughs> Fuming gave his pieces an easily identifiable look, such 
Uh, well, I'll do that in a sec. That's right. That's not a sex toy that's been sitting here in a sock this entire time. Well, in fact, I mean, whatever gets you off. Yeah. <laughs> not this one. This is mine. But <laughs> yes, look at that, guys. Bob fucking Snodgrass. <laughs> Bean, they don't have isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> I wanted to show people what fuming is. It's true. It's true. As you know, when you smoke out of one of these pipes, right, it starts to change color, right, and this is like another different thing that no one had seen before as the resin shows up in it different patterns show up so like i have a very similar pipe right that we got from bob and it you know it's i just recently cleaned it and it's like crazy to see how much fucking detail is in this thing uh and again it was embarking on a journey you know which we have taken like a thousand miles since then, right? Because when you see glass today, you know, this might look like something so fucking simple. When you think about the first person that have mm. innovated that shit, man, it's fucking mind blowing. Mind's blown? We did it. <laughs> yeah, we did Thank it. Thank you, good night. <laughs> we fucking did it. <laughs> and so I, I, did, I drove up your beautiful coast to get here and, and, and meeting people along the way. I played a little game I play in, in certain environments called Real Hippie, Fake Hippie, Redneck. <laughs> uh, it's really hard if there's a lot of crossover. Uh, which is just to say, Bob Snodgrass was a real hippie because he invented this thing, but instead of hoarding his alchemical secret, he taught it to everybody that wanted to know. Um, which, you know, if you're trying to sell your art, that's a very heart-generous thing to do. Yeah, seriously, and the knowledge. You know what I mean? In terms of setting the tone of sharing knowledge within something that's not as much an industry but more a community. Like, that's why the glass world is what it is. Bob personally trained a lot of fucking amazing glass blowers who have become legends themselves and trained even more budding legends in glass making. So, you know, this is like generational when we look at it. The fact that Bob was not selfish about this stuff has set the tone for an entire sector of the industry. We smoke on the shoulders of giants. Always. <laughs> He also, oh, hey, thank you. <laughs> Could you talk to that person over there? <laughs> he also, Snotty, invented the hammer. These are all popular styles of pipe. Yeah, and this is, this is like a basic hammer shape yeah. right here. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I always get carried away. I'm sorry. It's a, actually, the, I'm not going to prove it, but these are really fucking sturdy. That's the other thing. They, they can break, but they don't tend to. He invented the bubbler. Yeah, that's right. Can you fucking believe that shit? Imagine a time before bubbles. I know. <laughs> that sound, the signature sound of smoking weed. No one had ever fucking heard it. <laughs> he invented the spoon pipe, not the spoon. Yeah. <laughs> and he invented a popular shape called the sidecar. Now, why no, do you yes, think? Right. Yeah. Ooh, okay, yo. Why do you think he invented the sidecar? To hit that shit hard, right? <laughs> Somebody say it. True, but not the entire answer. But yeah, and for anybody who is not sure, a sidecar would be like like a hammer, except this stem would be on the side of it, and the bowl piece would be like a sidecar to that stem. So, oh, did you? No, know? no, no, please. Okay. He because I have I don't remember. What <laughs> <was gonna> say. <laughs> Oh, well, we're all in it together. <laughs> he was uh, with his lovely wife staying with some friends. This was the 70s. They had a waterbed. 
And every time he put his pipe down, it fell over. <laughs> so he literally invented a new kind of pipe that you could comfortably rest on a water. Yeah, bed. that's right. Yes, that is a warranted applause break. <laughs> the Snodgrass family, they've got some kids, they've got a bus, they're going around, they're selling the tchotchkes, they're going county fairs, all of this. And then... Somebody hips him to a phenomenon where he can probably sell a few more pipes than the county fair, and yeah. he guesses. It's a lot like a county fair. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's also kind of like a big market, except there's a band that's playing. <laughs> yes, of Wait, course. A, a Grateful what, a, Dead. A what? <laughs> I know, dude. I was definitely a kid who was like listening to Wu-Tang, and I would go to the String Cheese Incident lot, didn't had no interest in string cheese incident whatsoever. <laughs> All my fucking lunch money, drugs. <laughs> he doesn't even like string cheese. He's lactose intolerant. Yeah. It's the only intolerance he and has. And frankly, incidents aren't too hot with me as well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so here's what uh, uh, Bob Snodgrass said about this fateful intersection. The first time I encountered the Grateful Dead scene, a friend told me he had tickets and I should bring my bus so we could camp in the parking lot. He said I was going to sell glass like I'd never sold glass before. <laughs> He's like, why? Do these guys break things a lot by accident? Why? <laughs> this is like the algorithm. If you like the Grateful Dead, you might also <laughs> like a pipe you can put down on a waterbed. <laughs> Bro, that is truly the original <laughs> fucking recommended page. You know what I mean? Except the algorithm was like a guy in a druid outfit <laughs> in Deadlock. <laughs> and his name was Algorithm. Algorithm. <laughs> so Bob said, I like to have a theme, so I thought of making a little pipe with a dead head on the end and then built up a nice little inventory of these. So he's like, got some before he gets to the show. Well... We ended up working the next two days straight in the parking lot trying to keep up with demand. Yeah, so so look, like, how much weed paraphernalia with Grateful Dead shit on there have you seen in your life? You know what I'm saying? Imagine being the guy who fucking thought of putting it on a pipe. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... Did you just check your pipe for a Grateful Dead? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You're like, did I miss that? <laughs> I have one, but it's the other one. Gotcha. Not that I'm bragging, but not that I'm not. <laughs> hotcakes are selling poorly compared to these pipes. <laughs> yeah. And as you know, at Deadlot, hotcakes are a fucking hot yeah. commodity. <laughs> it's veggie burritos, hotcakes, yeah. but then the pipes are yeah. up Infused hotcakes, hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> So then Snotty says, uh, meanwhile, I was just blown away by the atmosphere at the Dead Show. I'd never experienced anything like it. On the last night, I had a ticket, and when I got inside and the music started, I saw everybody just go off in a dancing frenzy. I thought, that's so amazing, and I want to be a part of it. I absolutely love that. I've only seen the Dead as the Dead, right, since Jerry, and the thing that I love about it the most was it's a bunch of white people dancing as if... Like, nobody's watching. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the worst dancing, but completely free. Like, just liberated. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> I live in a town that's basically like a retirement village for old hippies. And, like, they have a thing in the town square that starts at 4.30. <laughs> 
Who wants to guess that down, by the way? If you took LSD between 1967 and 1968, I'm convinced that you'll dance to any... I see him at Safeway. <laughs> if the right song comes on. <laughs> the song is I'm Never Gonna Dance Again, which plays at Safeway a lot. show you, don't tell me what to do. So beyond all of his technical innovations, Snotty perhaps contributed most to the functional art glass scene, which is what you call a pipe if you don't want to get arrested. Uh, <laughs> yeah, even pipes were illegal. Yeah, this is if you remember going to the mall and it's like for tobacco use only, and then you ask the guy, how does this work? And he's like, well, you put your tobacco in here. Because yeah. that's good for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad, you get it at the health food store. Yeah, I'm glad the government's looking out for us. They're, they're facilitating like, oh, you're just taking bong hits of cigarette tobacco? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he's set up in the parking lot with his mobile glass blowing unit. He's got uh, wow, that sounds really <laughs> mobile blowing the, the, the unit. Word rolls glass, into town. The word glass is doing a lot in that, <laughs> in that sentence to keep it uh, keep it family friendly. If you're the Snodgrass family. <laughs> uh, but so he's making pipes, first of all, you know, obviously draws a crowd, but lots of people wander up and for the first time see that this is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I want you guys to picture a young Bob Snodgrass. You know, if you don't know what he looks like, you can Google image him later, but he looks exactly like his name sounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He looks like a little like mushroom gnome man and he's like delightful. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, imagine him with like, you know, like with his like lights and flares and he's like making glass. Like it's something that you want to be a part of and it fits right at home in this environment too. It's really a new phenomenon. Yeah, they've got this 1962 GMC bus and they're just like going show to show, selling glass. All uh, DTC for our weed industry people. This is direct to consumer. It was illegal, but you could sell it right to the person. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, yeah. This is uh, you know this was all cash game, as you know. <laughs> going on and here. so he's uh, there. Also, become just sort of this like benevolent force on Deadlock because they're these beautiful people. They have all of this art. People would be like, no cell phones. Like, let's meet at the Snodgrass spot. You could always find it. It was like a center of light. And it's like anybody who's actually been to Deadlock knows like, there's light and there's dark. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude. I remember seeing my first hippie fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to uh, separate from the dancing sometimes. Yeah, I know, right? It's the same like jerking rhythms <laughs> that go into both things. <laughs> and they're also, you know, they're going back to the same venues every year after year. So, you know, people would come back, get a second piece, bring their friends. And over time, this is really what developed the art glass market. This market also is really important to cannabis because of a couple of developments we're going to talk about. It was about to blossom into a huge range of price points. A glass blower, because they could sell their glass for a little bit more, right, would be willing to spend that much more time working on that glass. And so there was this kind of built-in progression that was happening. And of course, with the tone set by Bob of sharing the information, people were sharing techniques, knowledge, and different people were innovating on that knowledge in different ways. Yeah, and people got paid for their art. Like, yeah. yeah. That is a beautiful Damn fucking thing. Damn right. 
And I, I can certainly say I know we have both enjoyed our uh, art collections quite a bit. Oh, yeah, seriously, they're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then we should kind of just talk, like, in a bigger way, something we talked about on some of our other episodes of this podcast that exists, is <laughs> um, the dead just in general had a huge, huge impact on spreading cannabis and cannabis knowledge all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. This was like a subculture silk road in the United States. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, seriously... Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah. Welcome that to Subculture yeah. Silk Road, yeah. a twelve-part series on the history of the Grateful Dead. Silk, yeah. <laughs> the silky smooth yeah. podcast, smooth history of silk. <laughs> so we are uh, talking about a cultural exchange that's going on from east to west. So you know, we did another episode about a strain called Chem Dog. Anybody know about Chem Dog? That's right. And this is like a very like you know grandmother strain, right? That's really uh, you know been a predecessor to a lot of strains that we love. If it wasn't for Deadlot, right, sour weed, gas weed would not be as ubiquitous as it is today. We wouldn't have OG Kush on the West Coast in the same form. I'm sure it would have found its way here, but truly culture was influenced by this. So imagine Bob's glass art is on the road now and all these people across the country are seeing it. So he's not just teaching people in Oregon. He's teaching people about this shit across the entire fucking country. Glass is about to become crazy and beautiful. <laughs> and his pieces essentially become like bartering currency on Desla for people who don't want to touch uh, green dollar bills. Mm -hmm. There's like a set price, how many burritos you can get for a pipe. Yeah. A ride to Kansas City. And like this is foreshadowing for the future of what glass is going to mean to this industry, <laughs> too. Yeah, who needs federal banking? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> as, as you alluded to, he, you know, starts to, as any wizard really must in the in the third act, he starts to <laughs> take on apprentices. Uh, and here's what he said: I've had ve I've had many very talented apprentices over the years, too many to name. But there were also countless people who just watched over my shoulder while I worked in the lot. I let them look through my safety glasses, and they understood that you can see through the fire and shape the glass. Really, they discovered that they could learn how to do this for themselves. Some of the best bong businesses in the country got started that way. Holy shit. So literally, this guy's doing it in the open, right? A trade secret, something only he can do. Everybody's seeing it, and they're innovating on it. Fucking nuts. Spencer's Gifts is about to come the fuck up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> and many of our great moments in weed history have a turn when we hear this sound. Whoop, whoop. That's right. The ultimate bad guy. Of course, when things are going good with weed, yeah. the police show up and the police are about to fucking show up. I'm sorry to say. Bob's going to be fine. It's great moments in weed history. We're all going to be fine. We're still having the smoke out. Yeah. Weed's legal now. <laughs> few spoilers. But in 2003, a number of these glass businesses that got started were targeted by the feds in, and here's a, here's a pun you can boo, Operation Pipe Dreams. Boo! <laughs> So how many of you guys remember Operation Pipe Dream? The guy in the business suit, he's like, I was the guy who asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so basically, this was a federal sting on people selling bongs online. Think about this. This is like federal tax dollars being spent on busting people who make glass pipes and bongs. It's like the worst fucking thing you can think of, but this is also coming off the heels of a long era of alarmism over cannabis, right? So it's as ridiculous as it is and as objectively beautiful as a lot of this stuff really is, right? Like, you've never seen a crack pipe that's this ornate, right? <laughs> You're not going to fucking see that. That doesn't raise any questions for the DEA, apparently. <laughs> Operation Stem Smash. Yeah. <laughs> this is also, if anybody remembers, Tommy Chong, hardened criminal and threat to society going to prison. Mm-hmm. It was, as he said, if you're going to sell bongs, don't put your picture on them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly sad, right? Because based on when he was doing, like, you know, the majority of his work, you know, furthering cannabis culture, right? You would think that by the time he was in his, like, retirement years selling bongs with his face on them, that the heat would be off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But unfortunately, it wasn't. And, you know, Tommy Chong, who is still very involved in the legal cannabis scene and is just a huge and important icon, went to jail as an old man for selling bongs. And, and, you know, it was a really tragic effect of that time. And I think, like, you know, the most memorable and sort of like the most uh, auspicious, like, you know, person to be brought down by it. And just so we know that this wasn't like a publicity stunt by the federal government, but just the even hand of justice treating all equally, mm-hmm. he was the only one who went to jail. It just happened to be the famous guy <laughs> <laughs> that would make headlines who pushed it one bong too far. No, nope, no. Nope. Out of 45 people. Not that anybody, of course, should have gone to jail. Who didn't get caught up in Operation Pipe Dreams was the godfather of Glad, also Cheech. <laughs> His explanation for why they didn't come after him, the feds, Bob Snodgrass, I didn't have a bank account worth a crap. <laughs> ah, there you go. Anybody here do the Bank of the Woods? <laughs> uh, of course, they're not going to say. <laughs> just digging a hole and putting your money in it. This was a cash business. <laughs> of course. And of course, you know, now he is still out there. He is at an event right today, which is why he wasn't able to come hang out. He sends his love. He's a friend of the podcast and both of ours. He's talked about being the first person to sell a $1,000 pipe. And now pipes go for what? Fifty, a hundred thousand dollars. You can find those fucking pipes, and you could literally spend your life savings on that shit. And it might actually appreciate in value. It might be a better investment than your four hundred one k. Definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> As he said, if anybody wants to give me a hundred thousand dollars, I can buy a nice new motor home, and I promise I'll do my best to make them a really, really nice piece. Do we have a taker? No? Yeah, sir? 85. <laughs> 85, give me 87. Give me, I think you're supposed to go up, though. Yeah, this, is, this would be a good place to auction off snodgrass pieces, actually, considering we're gassing them up right now. Uh, speaking of gassing up, I'm driving home from this thing, so yeah. make me an offer. Uh, I'll clean it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually said, you know, he's really, really happy to have created this market, even though he's not really going for $100,000 pieces. He makes a lot of pieces because he wants a lot of people to have access to his art, but he's happy, and he says, you know, that allows people to put in the work. Like, talk about, you have a lot of uh, 
experience in the glass world, like yeah. some of the pieces you see and what people are making. Yeah, so basically, when you could only sell a $100 pipe on the fish slot, on the dead lot, right? You were only going to spend a couple hours making that pipe. But then the makers of raw glass realized that there was a market in colored glass, right? So suddenly you had all these new colors available, right? Moreover, as legal cannabis started to make more money or, you know, medical cannabis, recreational cannabis, as we started to move towards the modern era, right? There was more cash being made. A lot of people selling weed had cash that they couldn't put in the fucking bank. But the thing is, if you buy a piece of glass that many people agree is worth $10,000, then it's a safe place for you to store that money. So essentially what expensive glass became was a way to launder your weed money. And it remains that today. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing because these are legal businesses that don't have support from the federal government, right? But there's an entire community of people who are willing to buy a $20,000 piece of glass if you're willing to spend the time to make that motherfucker worth $20,000. You know what I'm saying? And if you've seen some of the absolutely beautiful work out there, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so guys like Snick Barnes... Uh, and Marble Slinger and Jop, you know, these are like legends to me, and I've got to see some of their work uh, in person and in their studios and meet the collectors who are buying this shit, and you realize that we don't fucking need the banks. We don't need the men. We don't need any of that shit. We got this shit figured the fuck out, man. Rise up, Portland. That's right. Oh, wait, you already did. <laughs> You, I don't have to ask you twice. And you can get in on the ground floor <laughs> with this simple, elegant hammer. You flip this a couple times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sold, Boom. actually. Damn, this trip just paid for itself. Yeah, and then some. I, I slept in the back of my car on the way. <laughs> True story. Uh, we're going to give Mr. Snodgrass, Bob. Bob. The final word, because somebody asked him, why don't, why don't you go for this? Why don't you make pieces like this? Like I said, he had all the respect in the world. But the thing with some of these you know, $100,000 pipes is people don't really use them because uh, it's like driving that Ferrari off the lot and crashing it into a fire hydrant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's some risk with it. But I love the fact that unlike a piece of art that you would buy for the same amount of money, right, you totally can if you're willing to take the risk. <laughs> smoke out of that fucking expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. pipe and just clean it with fucking isopropyl alcohol, which you've clearly yeah. never heard of. <laughs> apple. What's an apple? I've smoked out of an apple. And then you just can eat it. It's, yeah, that's, it's easy. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but so many of these, you know, end up on a shelf, end up in a gallery. Uh, and as uh, Snotty said, all, all, all good to them. But I make pipes and pipes get smoked. Fucking right, dude. Yeah, that's right, Bob. Give it up for Bob Snodgrass, everybody, the legend. Yes. That's all all my prepared remarks. (laughs) That is it for this episode of Great Moments in Weed History. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Give it up for yourselves, Portland. Portland! You're truly fucking wonderful people. If you have not heard the show... You can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Great moments in weed history, and we've got like a billion fucking episodes. I don't know. We've been doing this forever. So the stories just go on and on and on. Thank you so much, Portland. Truly appreciate you guys. 
Come to the post show. Yeah, yeah. Out. We'll see you outside. Let's fucking sesh. And thank you, Potland. Yeah, and thank you, Helium Comedy Club. You guys are the shit, man. Great spot. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.